this summer as we survey Park Road Baptist Church, what we're about. Amy and I are dividing the sermon time. I'm not preaching so much as trying to give you some sort of nuts and bolts, some facts and figures about the, the issue of um, fiscal stewardship of, of this campus and of our congregation. I have lots of facts and figures for you, so hang in there. I'm going to try to go through this kind of quickly. I want to share with you a lot about the fiscal stewardship of our church, in, at least in the last 20 years. Someone recently recently asked me what I was proud of in particular in our work at Park Road, and my answer surprised me. You see, Amy and I have no specific business training, nor really any particular interest in that aspect of our vocation. And despite all the fundraising and construction that we have done on this campus, neither of us suffers from what has been called the edifice complex. You know, the egocentric need to build to have our names associated with brick and mortar, we don't suffer from an edifice complex. When I survey the last 23 years, however, I have to say that I am proud of that aspect of our work, of our work together. All four of the buildings that existed on this campus were a bit tired when we arrived 23 years ago, having been given little physical attention in prior years. All four of those buildings have now been renovated. The youth building first, and then the church wing of the children's building. This was followed by the restoration of the Milford Chapel, which had been converted many years ago to use as a fellowship hall. And finally, in 2019, the renovation of the sanctuary and of Helt Hall. In 2007, we added a fifth building to this campus, the community center. And I think we can all agree that that construction project really changed the face of Park Road Baptist Church as we approach the broader community. It is not as if any of our buildings are state-of-the-art. We could have spent far more on each project, but we applied Park Road sense and sensibility in each application. But I think our facilities now are all quite adequate for their very active use on this campus. These projects have their origin in a 2003 long-range visioning process. That process took a full year for us to complete, and one of the outcomes of the 2003 vision was a two-pronged initiative, one, to make our campus open to the community, and two, to provide facilities that would be adequate to that invitation. All of our facilities in 2003 were not adequate to the invitation of the community as part of the reason for our construction projects, our renovation projects, so that this campus could be open to the community. We are open to the community seven days a week. If you've not been here on a Tuesday night or a Thursday afternoon or a Saturday morning, you have no idea. All of our buildings, all of our space is being used. Fifteen organizations consider Park Road Baptist Church their home. Some of those have an annual meeting here. We have three nonprofits whose nine to five um, headquarters is on this campus and everywhere in between. Somebody is using this campus every day of the week. Construction and renovation projects involve money, of course, and I am inspired by the generosity that you have shown. In three capital campaigns, we have raised well over $3 million. The work of our last campaign continues even today with ongoing renovations being stewarded by Leslie Gipple, our very able operations manager. Several pledges to that campaign are still being collected, and if you are still giving, thank you for being found faithful. 
Your generosity has been shown in many other ways. Our emphasis in estate planning, which we call legacy giving, has enjoyed the success that comes from church members who love this community and whose love extends beyond their lifetime. The first significant gift I became aware of as a legacy gift was from a longtime teacher of one of our men's Sunday school classes. I knew nothing of his plans until the day his daughter walked into my office and said, my father always believed in tithing. And so he included 10% of his estate to Park Road Baptist Church. And she handed me a check for $100,000. That example has been repeated numerous times. Aline and Carson Allen left their entire estate to the church. You see benefits of that gift in the renovation of our Milford Chapel. Bob Lunnon's legacy gift completed our indebtedness on the community center. And you experience Chet Helt's love for his church every day you walk through Helt Hall and into this sanctuary, the renovation which he, de he designed. This sanctuary is highlighted by the chandeliers, which were a gift from Al and Jean Jones. We are currently benefiting from Mac Duncan's love for his church. You'll remember the pay it forward emphasis last fall, which was a product of Mac's creativity and his insistence that we be involved in mission action right here in our own community with our own hands. Every fifth Sunday, we take an offering for the Mac Cameron Good Samaritan Fund, whose name is associated with that fund due to a gift from her estate. That fund provides assistance for church members in times of need. When Ola and John Patterson left their estate to four Baptist churches in the form of the Patterson Scholarship Fund, they were envisioning hundreds of students, the children they never had, who would be assisted in attending college due to their legacy. Kate Pulaski just graduated from Meredith, and Emily Niereimer will follow her there as a student and our latest recipient of the Patterson Scholarship. I do not have a total number, but I know that the number exceeds $500,000 $500, in tuition assistance just to students from Park Road Baptist Church. That doesn't include the other three Baptist churches included in the Patterson Scholarship. When you talk about estate giving, it's easy to emphasize the big numbers. But my favorite legacy gift is the story of the widow's might that was enacted right here on our campus. For many years, Shirley Mills was here every time the doors were open. She never missed Sunday morning worship, and her decorations graced the tables at every VSP lunch meeting. Shirley lived with a mental deficiency that would certainly be defined today with some diagnosable condition, but she loved her church, and we loved her. And when she died, her sister, Bobby McDonald, walked into my office and said, Shirley left the church in her will. My guess is that the $1,000 she left to Park Road Baptist Church was most of what she had to leave. And you are not waiting to die to be generous. Thank you for that. This year's intergenerational retreat will be free again to all church members due to a generous donation which has provided for at least three prior retreats. Tables and chairs in the community center were provided by one gift, and we have had $50,000 in gifts to enhance the acoustics and our multimedia equipment in this room. The choir room was completely renovated several years ago, and our choral scholars program and opportunities to host members of the Charlotte Symphony uh, for worship come from outside giving, giving beyond our budget. 
In that 2003 long-range vision, we also indicated a desire to build on the church's two endowments. The Ashcraft Endowment for Non-Budgeted Programmatic Needs had long been established, along with the Ruth Fund, which provides assistance for single parents. Since 2003, we have added three more endowments, the Helms Mission Endowment and the Eggleston Endowment for Buildings and Grounds, a music endowment has been seeded with an initial gift, though that endowment is not yet producing spendable interest. Our five endowments are now worth almost $600,000 and produce about $25,000 in spendable funds each year. These are funds that do not supplement our budget, but do extend our ability to help meet the vision of this church and our reach into this community. A good many years ago, we started collecting a monthly missions offering. Every Sunday, any cash that's in the plate, any non-designated money given to the church goes to a designated mission for that month. Now, when we established this, some people were concerned that the initiative would cannibalize giving toward our annual ministry plan, our budget. They felt all money ought to be given, that was given on Sundays ought to go to the budget. But the vision behind that monthly mission offering said just the opposite would be the case. That vision says generosity breeds generosity. As people give and see all that we can do together, they will want to give even more. And this has been the case. Since 2015, we have collected and distributed just over $132,000 to agencies and nonprofits in our community. That's an additional $13,000 a year that we have added to our missions efforts, and it has not hurt our budget a bit. We've done a great deal at Park Road Baptist Church, and we are not a large congregation. Last year, we had only 158 giving units, that's individuals or families who contribute, and our roughly $700,000 annual ministry plan was funded not by proceeds from our endowments, but by you. Last year's largest giving unit provided over $38,000 to our budget. That is a sizable gift. Whoever you are, I say thank you. But we are not a church that survives because one or two wealthy families pay for most of the budget. The average annual gift last year was just over $3,600. Whoever you are, thank you also. For all your generosity, thank you for being found faithful. If you are not giving... Or if you could do more, just imagine what all we could do, what more we could do on this campus if everyone here made an effort toward the biblical goal of a tithe, 10% of your income. But thank you, wherever you are in your giving, thank you for being found faithful. As I look at Park Road Baptist Church and all that we have done here on this campus, I am inspired and I am proud of you and all of this. All of this, the bricks and mortar, the campaigns, the endowments, the money, that's not even who we are. It's the paradox of building a church. Each week as we have tried to find a proverb that goes with the topic of the day, so fiscal responsibility, I wonder if this proverb was picked just because the last word there, riches, Think wider about this. Think about this as a church house. By wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established. 
By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. What is it that makes us rich? Is it the money? You've heard the ancient story. Have you ever heard of a sermon on fiscal responsibility not being geared toward asking for more money? Don't get me wrong. We'll take it, all of your money, that is, with a grateful heart. But today's report on our resources, both financial and brick and mortar, is not what the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Let's be clear, it's a vital piece, but it's not about the money or the resources, except for how we use them wisely, as today's proverb admonishes. Now, Jesus himself had a good bit to say about money. It was usually a pretty challenging word. He phrased his thoughts on money in ways that often make us squirm a bit. And he really lost his cool with those money changers in the temple. But church is not about the money. Certainly not about the accumulation of it. By wisdom... A house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's interesting. You go to seminary, and you study church history and Greek and Hebrew and Old Testament and New Testament and theology and ethics and pastoral care. I don't know how they're doing the curriculum these days, Back in our day, there were no classes on the business aspect of church. That's pretty unfortunate since most ministers are not necessarily very savvy in our business knowledge. All of the things that Russ just told you about, not one of those areas has anything to do with why I went into ministry. But quickly, one learns that it's a pretty big part of the job. It can also be a pretty distracting part of the job. Let us not, and I'm talking to myself here, let us not get distracted from the work of the church. Let us not get distracted from the ministry of the church. Let us not get distracted from the mission of the church by focusing on the business of the church. The ministry and the business can and must coexist, but my job today is to remind us of the point of the church. And the point is not the money. And the point is not the resources. The point of church is God and the way of Jesus. Oh, and the poor, and the oppressed, and the hungry, and the orphaned, and the widows, and the outcasts, and the lame, and the blind, and the imprisoned, and the lost, and the left out, and the grieving, and the hurting. And it takes community to tackle all of that. And yes, it does take money to tackle all of that too. Fred Craddock was one of the best storytelling preachers of our time, if not the best. 
He told a story about when he was a young pastor. One church told him that he had an emergency fund with $100 in it. I'm guessing back then that sounded like a lot more than it does today. But there was an emergency fund with $100 in it, and he could give the money to anybody who was in need as long as the need did not result from laziness, drunkenness, or poor management. To which Fred asked, what else is there? He figured they still have all that money sitting in the emergency fund. To be the church, I need you, and you need me, and we need each other, and all of our collective resources, and that's why I want to fill up this space. That's the way the proverb puts it. We've built and established this house, this house of worship, and by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. It's going to be my interpretation of this, project, of this proverb that it's not talking about more money, not filling up with more money, and not even filling up with more people, as lovely as both of those would be. But in my mind, it means that we need to fill up the space with love. If we fill up all of our spaces with love, we will end up filthy rich. Because love will make us generous and engaging. Love will make us compassionate. Love will make us aware and prone to action. Love will make us better and stronger and more able to change the world. I have another Craddock story. A wealthy man went to his priest with a check for $50,000 made out to the church. He handed it to the priest, and the priest looked at it. It was a lot of money. Then the priest handed it back to the man and said, Go cash this in for quarters or dollar bills and spend 50 cents or a dollar at a time doing the Lord's work. The man replied, but that will take the rest of my life. To which the priest said, that's the point. That is the point. The rest of our lives doing what we can, where we can, how we can, with what we can together. So let's spend the rest of our lives filling up the space, doing God's work. Just imagine how the world might be changed by us, through us. A final Craddock story. He wrote one time later on in his ministry, when I was in my late teens, I wanted to be a preacher. When I was in my late 20s, I wanted to be a good preacher. Now that I'm older, I want more than anything else to be a Christian. To live simply, to love generously, to speak truthfully, to serve faithfully, to leave everything else to God. Let us fill up this space with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
by living simply and loving generously and speaking truthfully and serving faithfully and trusting God with the rest. That's the point of church. That's what makes us rich. Church is not something that you go to. Church is something that we are. So this day, go and be the church. Everywhere you go, in everything you do, giving all of who you are, be the church. May it be so. Amen.